Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. It is who is excited to be in service today. Ask anybody, say, are you excited? <laughs> Pastor Peace just went to the answer straight and said, I am excited. What a, what a series that we've been feasting on over the past 12 weeks it is. I think it's 12 weeks. It's been 12, 13. So this is the 13th installment. Wow. God is so good. He's so, 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 so good. And last week was such, was such an impartation. Hallelujah. It was, it was, it was, it was really amazing. What kept, you know, ringing in my mind all through the week was when Pastor, what Pastor Timmy said, that fear is the fifth column. That fear is the fifth column. And what he then said after that was, you know, when those situations come, you feel fear. But what he did was he, he distinctly separated what you're feeling from who you are. And then he said, although you feel fear, it hasn't gotten to you yet. You are not yet afraid. Like, it was as if it was a notice. That, see, let me just tell you. When you feel the fear, let me tell you, you're actually not afraid yet. It's what you do after that that then makes you afraid. Praise the name of the Lord. It was, it was really... It was really so, so powerful. And he said amazing, a lot of things as well that we also prayed during the course of the week. But that was very, very profound. Hallelujah. And so we are progressing. We are progressing today. And during the course of the week as well, I was listening to a message. And the pastor there said that uh, ministry is sort of like a, a dance, a music and dance. So he, I, what he described was ministry is music and dance. Pastoring is music and dance. That the man of God has to fashion like a good melody that, has, that you have to make people want to dance to. And then he has to put lyrics that make sense. Remember those days where we listen to gospel songs? That you cannot even make sense of the lyrics in the beginning or the end. But thank God for people like Sinatch, Hillsong, Nathaniel Bassi, hallelujah. And he said that, you know, so the man of God has to, you know, craft a melody that would make people want to dance to it. And then he said, secondly, he has to obviously put together a lyrics that make sense. Then he now said, beyond that, he has to also dance to it. You can't be... So you have, to, you have to step to the sound of your own music. Right? So ministry is not just... Or pastoring is not just um, melody. And it's not just lyrics. It's also dance. And, you know, when he said that, the first person that my mind went to was... I was like, oh, yes, that's Pastor Dami. Actually. Because Pastor Dami, you cannot hear Pastor Dami and not want to do something. So the melody is sweet, and the lyrics make super sense. Like, it's put on repeats. And then what caps it up is that it dances to the sound of his music. So you don't find a person that's like, oh, don't go. Yeah, you guys should just dance to it. It dances to the sound of his music. And it's the amount of energy it takes. Do you know how long it takes a creative to actually put down a song or an album? And then we've done series upon series. I don't think there is any album that is up to 34 tracks or 23 tracks. I've not seen it. As most people now are just doing EP. What's EP? Limited play edition or something? Like, don't put like three and release it. I'm going to stress around me. People should take it and hold it. But then we're on 13. We're on 23. We go 16. Can we just rise and celebrate our pastor, my pastor, and say thank you, pastor? For the sweet melodies, for the deep lyrics, and for the dance. 
We celebrate you, sir. And we love you. Let's have our seats. I love Pastor Dami so much. Is this mine? Oh, okay. Actually, this will say so talk more. Thank you. Okay. So we celebrate you, sir, and we love you and we honor you. We cannot say it enough. Like we can't say it enough. It's not, we can never, we can never say it enough. Thank you, sir. And you know, when Pastor, when we were learning in HDD earlier this morning, and I'm not trying to say it because it's here, right? For everything it said, I could pick instances where, like, I had pictures in my mind come up that, oh, oh yeah, Pastor Damien has done this. So, like, I was ticking my box, yes, is it yet? I can follow him. Yes, yes, sir, you still have it. I'm still following you. You know, I've not gotten it. I'm sure when he gets to number 10, sir, we will not even find. Hallelujah. We love you so much, sir, and we honor you, and thank you so much for feeding us with such a high-grade, high-decibel word. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, for your word that is sure. Thank you, Father, for your word that is lavish. Thank you, Father, for your word that is abundant in this house. Thank you, Father, for grace. Thank you, Father, because the grace coming with your word today is giving understanding and is imparting ability in the name of Jesus that we hear. Thank you, Father, we understand. And thank you, Father, because beyond that, we are able to do and we are able to put these things in practice. And as we come back in the following weeks, in the following days, we declare in the name of Jesus that we are bringing our fruits with us. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold to the glory of your name. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen and amen. So, so you know how when you're watching series, when they want to refer you to a recap, they just pick the ones that are related to like the series, the one, the episode they're about to watch. So they just they can go and pick one for from episode two. Maybe you're on episode ten. They'll pick one from episode two, episode three. So that's what we're going to do. Pastor Peace has helped us summarize everything so far two weeks ago. But I'm just going to be picking some recaps from Pastor Peace. Pastor Dami and Pastor Timmy. So Pastor Timmy started last week saying that fear is external to you and the fact that you feel fear doesn't mean you're afraid. Um, Pastor Timmy also said fear is the fifth column that helps the devil power. Okay, no. So that's a mix of Pastor Peace and Pastor Timmy, right? Mixture. Fear is the fifth column and then Pastor Peace says that that fear helps the devil power up his devices, his operations. And, you know, is relying on fear in you to progress his works and his intentions concerning you. So fear is like an installation. So whenever the devil comes, what he's looking for is a socket of fear. And his devices have wires. So what he wants to do is to plug those wires into your socket of fear and begin to you know, do his operations, begin to do things in your life, begin to press buttons. Hallelujah. And so that's what Pastor Peace um, told us last week or two weeks ago. And in the stronger hold, by the way, the title of this message is the stronger hold too. This is the stronger hold too. So in the stronger hold, pastor said, pastor thought about allowing the world, um, uh, allow the world have a stronger hold in your life, allowing it to empower your or to overpower your past experiences, your exposures and your examples. How many of us remember that the three E's: your past experiences, your exposures, and your examples? And he says they do not have to become patterns. Those things don't have to become patterns in your life. The word of God can and should have a stronger hold and should be your fresh reference and your patterned experience. Hallelujah. And so we're going to be moving on from that. And one of the things Pastor Timmy said last week, or before, before I go in there, I just want us to revisit you know, the objectives of the series. I think one of the 
amazing things about the PowerPoint, right, is this part right here. You know, when God gives us a, gave us the vision that he's building, you know, us into a kind of disciples, right, a kind of people. And it just shows, that, it just shows the intentionality of God when at the beginning of every series, he gives us an objective. So he gives us five or four things or three things or six things that he wants to build us into at the end of the series. So at the end of the series, what Pastor said in, in um, I think the first, the first was borrowed garments, he said to educate the saints on the architecture of fear, what it means and how it powers the kingdom of darkness. He says to facilitate the de deployment of God's allocated spiritual resources. I don't know how Pastor comes up with these things. For disarming the torment of fear. Number three, to become conscious of the operational dynamics of the realm of the spirit. Number four, to raise awareness of the believer regarding the spiritual authority given through the gift and the pressing of the Holy Spirit. And number five, to live a life that's transcendent of the beggarly elements of this world, powered by the Holy Ghost to the fulfillment of God's purposes on the earth. Hallelujah. And who can remember the definition of fear that pastor gave us? Borrowed garments. You can check your notes. It's allowed. It's, it's open question. Okay, does somebody want to help me? But I look like you want to help me. Yes, guys, it's allowed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's created by, thank you so much, Bisola, um, exaggeration, manipulation, and distortion of reality. So that's, that's, that's my recap, right? And last week, Pastor Timmy started, I, I think he mentioned something where he said that the God of this world has come, and that Jesus said that he has found nothing in me. And that's where I want us to start from, right? Um, Boss, please help me with John 14, from verse 25 to 30, NKJV, please. NKJV. So we'll just wait. You can also flip your scriptures, your Bibles to that. That's where we're starting from. So I would encourage you that throughout the, as, as the teaching is going and as the teaching is progressing, just pray in tongues underneath your breath because I believe that, you know, God is about to do something, uh, as Pastor would say, profound, and is about to do work a deep impartation this morning. Hallelujah. John 14 from verse 25. And Jesus was talking here. Jesus said that these things NKJV please. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said. My peace I leave with you and my peace I give to you. It says, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It says, you have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. It says, if you love me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes, so that when it does come to pass, you may believe. It says, I will no longer talk much with you. I will not say too much again. For the ruler of this world is coming. And he says, but he has found nothing in me. Says, but, that, but that the world may know that I am I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Arise and let us go from here. But my focus here is 30. 
He says, for the ruler of this world is coming. But he says he has found nothing in me. So you see two contrasting because the, Jesus said, he's supposed to say, he has come. And he found nothing in me. But he says, the ruler of this world is coming. But he has found nothing. He has nothing in me. So what that means is that fear always comes. Fear is always futuristic. We cannot exhaust the encyclopedia of fear. As long as the world continues to get more sophisticated, fear would always come in one way or another. Different anatomies, different shapes, different sizes, different news, things will happen every day. I mean, we thought we were done, COVID came, and you know, analysts are saying that there might be more of it. Right? But he said that, see, he might be coming in any way he wants to come. But he says that he has come to me and he has already found nothing in me. So in my dealing with the enemy, my, my own verdict and my own submission is already in past tense. So guess what? The only way that you can then be in past tense, no matter how the enemy comes, is to plug into nothing that the enemy found in Jesus. So what is the nothing that the enemy found in Jesus? That's the question. Because it would always come. In Matthew 12, Jesus was also talking about the fact that, you know, when a devil is cast out, he says that devil goes and then he gives you time. He gives you some time. He gives you space. And then he comes back. But the Bible says he comes with a comrade. He comes with like comrades, with, with people, different, with different other spirits. And when they come, they come to inspect first. And they come to check you and see that, is he empty? He says it's empty, well swept. Like, as if I'm waiting, I've been waiting for you. You've gone for too long. Come and occupy your space. He says he comes and he finds it empty. And he says that they dwell there and the, pe the person becomes worse than how he was first. So Jesus said, he finds nothing in me. And then Jesus is saying in Matthew 12 that they, they found it empty. So if you look at those scriptures side by side, is nothing equals to empty. Nothing is not equals to empty. Because in Jesus, he found it empty, and he went. In that man, he found it empty, and he stayed. So, Pastor, please. <laughs> nothing is not empty. There is a nothing that Jesus is saying there. And that nothing is that he has found nothing of himself in me. He has found nothing consistent with himself in me. The empty here is that he has found nothing consistent with God in you. Okay, thank you. So he has found nothing consistent with God in you. But in Jesus, he found nothing consistent with himself in him. Praise the name of the Lord. And so the fact that Jesus or the enemy is always coming, he is always coming, he would come. When, you know, um, in Matthew or in Luke, when Jesus was going through the temptation, we're going to read it. The Bible says that after, you know, the devil threw like three cold balls at him, and then, you know, he gave the devil back the word. The Bible says the devil left him for an opportune time. So he would always come. The Bible says he's, he's, you know, he's looking to and fro the earth. Looking for someone that he may devour. He's, he, that's what he's always looking for. So that means that he must never catch me off guard. 
Because I never know when it's coming. And say, I don't even want to be bothering myself by knowing when the enemy is coming. You never know when the news of COVID-19 will hit. You never know when the news of COVID-21 or whatever wants to come would hit. You never know. And you can't just be bothering yourself, looking through the news, searching for something that will make you afraid. Your business is that it finds nothing in you. Your focus is what is in you. What is in you. That's our focus. Is, is what is in me consistent or inconsistent with the devil? And Pastor Peace taught us, I think, two, in two episodes. Pastor Peace is like, is like the minister of God for the end time church. <laughs> Elephant in the room and in the fruits in the last days. That's under the prevailing blessing series. And he was talking about the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. How many of us remember that? He was talking about those things. And really, when we look at, look for, that's the temptation of Jesus. When Jesus was driven into the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil. He sees that those were the curveballs that the enemy threw at him. And so like, at the end of the day, that's all fear is really about. It's either the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. You cannot pass those three things. It's either what you want, there is something that you desire so much. And so you can use that as an occasion. Remember what Pastor taught us on, on Thursday? As an occasion to make you fall. Or the pride of life. Because you already have something. You have already left what brought you into that thing to focus on that thing. And you have made that thing your God. And so you can use those things as anchors. So that's how fear enters. It anchors itself on those things. Either the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. When the devil sees that those things have now been seated in your heart, he then comes for you. Because he then comes to accuse you of those things. Because those things are not consistent with God. You're not supposed to exalt anything ahead of God. And so he comes to tell you, you say, you're not of God anymore. Something else is now on the throne of your heart now. And so I get you. Now you're lusting after something else that is not God. I have gotten you now. And that's what Pastor Timmy said last week. It's important that you are bold. Boldness. Regardless, I mean, you should not use, you know, grace as an excuse for sin. But regardless, if by any chance you fall, you are bold. Praise the name of the Lord. So look for. So the Bible says that then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. So see this. The Bible says that Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted. So there are two beings there. The first is that he was being filled, and number two, he was being tempted. So his being tempted met him being filled. Pastor Timmy told us last week, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He says that do not be unwise, you know, be Knowing what, knowing what the will of the Lord is, says don't be unwise. So, devil came to tempt him, but he met him being filled. But that's that's just an aside, right? So he says that. So he starts from the first one. He says that in those days he ate nothing, so he was fasting. And the Bible says that after after they had ended, he was hungry, so he was fasting, which is a spiritual exercise. But it says that after that fasting ended, he was hungry. Hungry and fasting is not the same thing. 
He was hungry. That means there was something that he needed. He needed food. And the devil came to meet him at that point when he was desiring food. And the devil came to meet him and says, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying that it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So he says, I'm hungry. He was hungry. And the devil says, if you are hungry, really, if this food and raiment thing is what you are really concerned about, command this thing now to become bread. And what that goes to tell us is sometimes we thwart faith projects. Because we want something from, or we want something. Really, you are really lusting after that thing. Then you now concoct scriptures and build like a confession. Confession is one of the disciplines of a believer. So you concoct scriptures for that thing that you are lost. The real problem there is a lost. So you concoct scriptures so that you can, by anything, turn stones to bread. Look at how Jesus answered him. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. So, sorry, we must always touch on this Jaffa thing. It's not like we don't want it to go, you know, but it's just like, that's what is in our face right now. They are vexing our righteous souls. <laughs> With it. And it's so, like, so you desire this so much, and it's fine, really. If you really want to travel abroad, it's, it's good. Like, we are, we are nomadic. <laughs> it's actually good. But don't lust after it. And you then come and tell pastor, that pastor, this is what God told me. Pastor, God, just tell pastor, I want to travel. I feel, like, I feel like I just want to leave the shores of Nigeria and go to another place. It's fine. As long as God has not said no. But don't because you have lost it after it now say, pastor, because isn't that, that's the only way pastor Dami, pastor Dami cannot just say God did not tell you. <laughs> pastor, are we, are we in my secret place together, sir? No. <laughs> so, he says that, oh, pastor, this is what God told me. But he said, no. He said, man shall not live by food and raiment alone. But he says, by every word. So what Jesus said, what Jesus was telling the devil there is that I, the will of God has more power over what I desire. What God wills, what God wants, what God, God's word says has higher power over what I desire. So I can desire something. It's fine. I am human. I have flesh. My, my eyes are seeing things. My ears are hearing things. My eyes are seeing somebody driving Lamborghini. That's just probably like 28 years old. I have it what I want. But then you take that to God. And God tells you, my son, wait. And that is sufficient for you. That is sufficient. And you see, that word in itself is bread. And that's what people don't understand. People think that because it's the word of God, your reality has remained a stone. No. Your reality is actually becoming bread. What God is asking you to do is wait on the word. Instead of your lust producing that bread, let my word produce it for you. Because see, when I add goodness to you, it cannot come with any sorrow. It can never come with any sorrow. So that's what Jesus said. Said number one, it's the will. The devil said, okay, you may have this one. Let's ask you another question. He says, then the devil taking him up on high, on a high mountain, that's the pride of life here. He says, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So like one time blowing. You just need to do one thing and you have blown. Just one thing. In a moment of time, poof. You have blown. So some people, you no know, process. 
I just want to make it. Make it, fake it, be it. <laughs> break it. Somebody say break it. <laughs> In a moment of time. And he says, all this authority I will give you and their glory. And this has been delivered to, to me. And I give it to whomever I please. Therefore, if you worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus said unto him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you would serve. So the second thing there is what appealing to Jesus' pride of life. You want to have all of the good things, you want to be the chief influencer of the world. You just want to be known. You don't want to be, you don't want you don't want the low life. You just, you just want to be high, high, high up there. And what Jesus answered him is the superiority of God. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only would you serve. That I do not care to be high. God is already high. There is already a space there. I don't want to occupy it. I'm not, I don't care to occupy it. I don't care to arrogate any glory to myself that won't go to God in the end. I do not care for it. Pastor was telling us this morning how that Jesus, Jesus is a low guy. Like he's making moves, but he's low. You know, he's, he's not the best dressed. But when they took his clothes, they, they divided it because, <laughs> because that thing is money. Hallelujah. It's, it was money. But it's not loud. Hallelujah. It's just quiet, but speaking. So he says that God is, this, God is superior. The glory of God is what matters to me. So I don't want to assume a place where people now begin to confuse whether they should give glory to me or give glory to God. I don't want it. Let it be clear. Wherever I am, I want it to be clear that the glory goes to God alone. The last one, the devil said, okay. So it looks like you're all good here. You're all good in your desires and the lust of the flesh. You're all good in your pride of life. He said, but there's one more. Let's, 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 let's throw that ball. Says, then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple <laughs> and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, it has been, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So he took him to church. He took him to Jerusalem and put him on the temple, at the pinnacle of the temple, and he says, fall. Like, launch yourself into the uncertainty of things. Because get what? God is going to give his angels to charge over you. To bear you up if you fall. He says that you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So this thing where we go to God and say, God, see now, look at how everything is bad now. Look at my life. Every, like You are informing God about the uncertainty of your future. You're counting it to him again and again and again. Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Don't come to God with Christ. He, do, he, he doesn't understand Christ. He understands his word. He understands his will. He understands the position there. He has put you. And that position, people don't cry there. They laugh there. So regardless of what we are going through, don't launch yourself so much in the... Devil said, see, throw yourself down. God will come and catch you. Put yourself in that, that situation. God, God will come and catch you. He says, no, you would not tempt the Lord your God. 
So understanding that God is your Lord and he has you. There is no need to cry, he is your Lord. You are in his possession. And he was telling God, he said, out of everyone that you have given me, I did not lose anyone. He's not in the business of losing people. That's not his business. So if I have said he is my Lord, I cannot be lost in his, my destiny cannot be lost. My future cannot be lost. It can't be. Because I am with him. He is my Lord. And the Bible then says that, you see, that, those are all the curveballs that he has. And so he left him for an opportune time. But until the end of, when Jesus went to heaven, there was no other opportune time. <laughs> because he was trying to devise another device, but he could not find it. Because those, those are the three inches on which the devil's fear is built. Either the lust of the eyes, your desire, your fear of the future. So much like it, it, it grips your heart so much that you are, you leave God like, you're just like, God, come through for me. Or your pride of life. Or the pride of life. Hallelujah. And so that is the, the nothing that Jesus was talking about. Because the devil came to him here. And the Bible says he found nothing. He found nothing of these things in him. And the question I then had was, how do I have nothing in me? How do I have nothing? Like, that the devil can come and find nothing in me. And it was very easy to say, okay, I mean, I need to read my Bible. I need to pray. Um, I need to worship, which, is, which, which are all true. But all of those things are couched in something which the Holy Spirit shared with me. The first is the fear of God. The second is peace with God. Those two things. Now, the fear of God is... Most people think that it is terror. They are afraid of God. But that response to fear is not for you. The, so, in, in biology, right, there are things called, you know, enzymes, receptors. So, when an enzyme is going to act, it needs a receptor on a cell to act. If a cell does not have that receptor and the enzyme is moving around that cell, it cannot do anything because it doesn't have that receptor. So, it needs that receptor in that cell to be able to act. So how it acts is that it plugs itself to that receptor and then it begins to elicit a reaction inside the cell. It plugs itself on the outside, but there is a reaction that starts to happen inside the cell. Right? And so to think about the fear of God, you have to look at the hierarchy of authority. And in the hierarchy of authority, Pastor has said this severally, you have the Godhead at the top. Right? After the Godhead, you have the natural man after. Because the Bible says that, you know, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you made him a little lower than Elohim. So it's not a little lower, it's after. The natural man. Then you have the archangels after the natural man. Because guess what? So when the devil is about to be cast, God is, doesn't have any business and Jesus doesn't have any business. It's the archangels that deals with the devil. So you have the archangels there. Then you have principalities, you have powers, you have rulers of darkness, and you have the devil there. I really think that's where the devil is. It doesn't, it doesn't go way up. Then after that, you then have seasons and cycles, you know, day and night, raining season, dry season. The whole cyclical infrastructure is there. You don't need any influence. God has set it there as an authority in itself. Then you have the earth. 
We are locationally present on the earth. But that's not where we are present in our hierarchy. And guess what? You're not even present where the natural man is. Because see, in Genesis 1, the Bible talks about the fact that God wanted to make man in his image and in his likeness. And the combination of those two things was going to make man be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, and subdue the earth. But guess what? After that, the Bible only says God created that man in his image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Where is the likeness? There was no likeness there. But you need the twin effect of image and likeness to be able to be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion and subdue the earth. You need the two, two effects. But you cannot, God cannot create a likeness. A likeness is imparted. And so what God did was, see, in the cool of the evening, we are going to be having conversations and fellowship. That by fellowshipping with you, I would impart upon you my likeness that will complete the entire equation to make you be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, and replenish the earth. But guess what? Before man was able to finish that equation, the devil came. So that natural man is not in the likeness of God. And so guess what? He is anatomically present in that hierarchy, but he's functionally inept. He doesn't have anything. And see, the other people down the hierarchy, they know it. This man has lost it. So we can come and ride him because it only looks like it. He cannot back. It's only a dog. He can't back. One of my neighbors, they have a dog. Just that like this dog would not be looking at us, looking at us. Look at, one day, my mom, my mom came to me saying, Can you look at that dog? It does not bark. I said, What do you mean that dog doesn't bark? I'm serious. The dog doesn't bark. Look, I feel like so I now listen to another story. Somebody else that had two dogs, where one was actually deaf and dumb, and then the other dog was was well functioning. And so this guy just thought that dog was senseless because he would be calling the dog. Then the other dog that understood would now go and call. Like when he says, come, come, the other dog will now go and meet the small dog that they are calling you. They are calling you. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And he just thought that the dog had a problem until they, you know, they, they, they are really particular about this veterinarian stuff. And so they took him to the veterinarian. The veterinarian said, Oga, your, def, your dog is deaf and dumb. And he was like, hey, yeah. <laughs> See how I've been thinking this dog doesn't have sense. So it's, it's really sad, right? So, it's the same. They know that, see, this man that is here, he just looks like it, he cannot back. But there is another kind of man, the believer. He is not located where the natural man is. He is located in the Godhead, in Christ. That's where he is. And guess what? He looks like a, he doesn't look like it. He's a man. I just wanted to use the algorithm, like he looks like a dog and boy, he can back, but don't let us compare ourselves to dogs. Okay. But he looks like it, and he can do it. He can do the job. He can be fruitful. He can multiply. He can have dominion, and he can subdue the earth. So the discussion of fear is not only a defensive discussion, where when the enemy comes, you keep him at his bay. No, the Bible also talks about there is a part of this discussion where the enemy is the one fleeing from you. The Bible says resist the enemy and he flees away from you. So if the part of his question we're not talking about is not just, you know, he's coming, you know, I just play defense, I think that's football, you play defense. Pastor, there is the offense. And that's where God wants us to be. The offense. Say I play in the offense. That's where God wants us to be. So that man is located in the Godhead. God is in him. He is in God. And you see, 
those different levels of the hierarchy, I actually had a picture to show you, but Mr. Samayo, I've spoke past it. Those different levels of the hierarchy, they understand their position. They are, everything actually knows what it means when God speaks. They actually know. So when we are talking about these enzymes and receptors, so let's go to the next one. Second image. It's not showing here. Sorry, guys. So the second image, you see the fear of God. You see man. You see creation. Sorry. Okay, yeah. So you see man. You see creation and you see the devil. The fear of God in man produces reverence, love, and devotion. The fear of God in creation produces unquestioned obedience. When they hear the word of God, they do not argue with God. Angels don't argue. Creation does not argue. The devil cannot argue. The third entity, the devil, when he sees the fear of God, is is terror and a reminder of damnation. He doesn't add, like, so what he wants to do is to try to project his own reactionary or his response to fear on us. The way fear works in him, the fear of God works in me, it's not the same way it works in him, sir. Praise the name of the Lord. And so why, when the man of God carries the fear of God, he becomes the terror to the enemy. But what does it mean to carry the fear of God? Most times you always want to move on from God. Like, God, I got you. You are an award. I've put you on my shelf. I'm a Christian. And I'm like, let's move on to other things. Let's, let's, you know, let's do other things. But you don't move on from God. Because it's when you are moving on from God that is coming to get you. When you move on from God, you are moving on into pride and you are moving on into lust. Because where do you want to leave God? Where are you going? No, that's... Where are you going? You want to be shareholder, board director. You want to marry. I mean, where are you going from God? Why is God a milestone that we need to achieve? It's supposed to be a journey that we are consistently on. So whenever the devil meets you, he's meeting you on the path. You have not left the bus stop because there is no bus stop. The fear of God. The fear of God is your prerogative. You are the one that should fear God. God does not put his fear in you. Why? Because you have free will, unfortunately. You see all these other creatures? It's, it's very, it can be very unfortunate because like God just automatically walk reading the word, praying, just walk it to me so that just like the, the, the cock crows, I just wake up. Like it's just walked in me. God, just take this thing. But that doesn't define image and likeness because God is not automated by anybody. And so the man that he would love cannot be automated by anything. He must choose to serve and to love him. But every other thing is automated. The devil is automated. He's automated. Like pastor said, you see all those things, he cannot create anything. He uses what God has created and swats it. And that is what he uses. He can't create. So that means he's automated. He's, he's just in process. So Deuteronomy 10 verse 12. 
talks about this fear of God. Now my phone is hanging. Don't hang. My phone is fearing God. <laughs> and he's angry. <laughs> Deuteronomy 10, from verse 12. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you? It says, But to fear God, to walk in his ways, to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command you today for your good. What's the definition of good? Aligned to the will of God. So for you to be good, this is God's requirement of you, for you to be good. Is that number one, you walk in his ways. And Job began to talk about the fact that I also fear God, and what it means to walk in his ways is to hate evil. To hate everything that is not aligned with the word of God. Remember our pastor said that how David can say in the same breath, God, I love you and I hate evil. Like, you see his, his facial reaction. He loves God and he hates evil. And you hate evil. Some of us don't want to hate evil because we feel like it makes, it makes us hypocrites. Like, I'm an, how will I be hating evil? What if me, I make a mistake? So you are refusing to hate, hate evil for the future. For the future mistake that you will make. Hate evil. It's everything that is not aligned with the word. Per adventure by mistake. You make a mistake. You make a mistake. Come boldly. Because you hate evil. It's not part of your nature. You just made a mistake. And see, I think I believe there is such a place that we can get to, like Pastor shared with us on Thursday. Daniel is a man like we are, of like passions and of similar passions. And the Bible says they found no occasion in him. Everything is led by our desires. And if you fix your desire on the word, it might be very difficult for you to actually make a mistake. If you fix your desire, you're worshipping him, you love him, you read the word, it might be quite difficult. And I'm saying quite because I don't want to be absolute about this. But it really might be quite difficult for you to make a mistake. Because the Holy Spirit speaks. So before you do something, he will have just given you a gist that you see these things. I don't think it makes sense. It might just be an opinion that you have held before. I don't think this thing makes sense. I just don't think it makes sense. And then three months down the line, a situation rises for you to do something. And you remember that opinion that you and the Holy Spirit just had like a casual gist about. He had already set that infrastructure of rightness in you. So I really think that if you're really communing with God, and this is not to say if you're not communing with God, you're not going to make a mistake. That's not what we're trying to say. But yeah, amen. But that's not what we're trying to say. <laughs> so, if you're really desiring to walk in his ways, it might be difficult for you to make a mistake. So, hate evil. Hate it. Don't hate the people committing evil. Don't be called going to be slashing people's throats. Believe God now. No, but it's evil. So you should be able to tell your friend, I love you, but I hate what you're doing. It doesn't make sense to me. But I love you. That's not the problem. But you see what you're doing? It doesn't just make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense. Number two is to love God. And to love God is to accept his love for you. 
John says that she don't start saying that, see, you love God. <laughs> He's the one that first loved you. So accept that love that he has for you. Most people can't bring themselves to love God because they cannot just accept that God loves them. You feel like, I'm too damaged. Like, there's just that part. Like, how can God love this? And because you cannot trust God's love for you, you cannot also trust, you cannot, even lo- you cannot love him, like, confidently. With reckless abandon. Because you know that his own love for you, you think his own love for you too has some kinks. So that means your own love for him should also have come So it's not balanced. But can you accept God's love for you? See, pastor says that he sees you. He sees what you will ever do. He knows the decision that you will ever make. There is no further match that can do permutation or combination like God. They cannot, they cannot, that mechanism doesn't yet exist. He sees all of the possibilities of all of that. It's not the fact that, you know, we would crucify Jesus. And some people will still say at this time that they would decide not to believe in Jesus. And guess what? He still gave him nonetheless. So he loves us. And we have to love him back. Praise the name of the Lord. So you have to accept his love for you. And this is not lightly said. It's not lightly said. I'll just stop there. The next is that you need to serve him, to submit your members, to worship him and serve him with not just your heart, but your soul. So, God sits on my heart, which is fine. But guess what? The soul is the one interacting with the world. It's the seat of your intellect, it's the seat of your emotions, it's the seat of your creativity, your soul. So he says, don't just serve God in your heart. Also serve God in your soul. Also focus on the seat of your will. Do do your decisions serve the Lord? Or do your decisions serve your flesh? Serve your lust? Serve your pride? What What do you concoct in your imaginations? What are the things that you bring up in your imaginations? And number three, I said your intellect. So your intellect, what are the things you're feasting your mind with? The Bible says that we need to educate our mind. We need to renew it. The mind doesn't become automatically renewed once you are saved. You need to renew it, and that takes time, and that is service. Present your mind under the you know, impartation of the word. And let the word teach your mind. To serve with your mind means that you need to bring your mind into a condition and a state where it is ready to be taught. Remember pastor said that, you know, the word of God is settled and you need to meet the word of God settled. You know what I'm saying? Hasn't taught your mind anything. Settled. And so I know that we are living in a very busy time. And there was this article I read where this person was saying that everybody, a lot of people want to have portfolio careers. 
what that means is that you want to do five things because you can do, you know, by in Christ we can do all things. So you want to do five things. So you are known and you can do all things. But we, guess what? It is stealing your time. And if the word of God is settled, and you need to be settled, and you don't have time to be to settle down, then how do you educate your mind? So we think we are advancing in you know what you can be called, what you like, what you know. The amount, the amount of spaces that you have, but check it. Is it the pride of life? Is it the lust of the flesh? Is it the lust of the eyes? You need to serve God with your mind. Serve God with your mind. I used to hate traffic in the morning until I received strategy. Now I like traffic. <laughs> As long as there's AC. <laughs> but I love traffic now. Because guess what? One hour, 30 minutes, a message. Or maybe two. In the morning, it's stressful, you're tired. But guess what? I would, I would take that over a very busy day. Because if I get to my, work, my workplace in five minutes, in five minutes I settle down, I start work. I go back home. Cares of this world. But I'm in the car, one hour, 30 minutes. And I have to do something with it. I mean, I can decide to play songs and stuff. But then, I'm educating my mind. So that when something comes, when the devil brings his devices and comes to check with his wires, there's no installation, there's no sockets installed for you, sir. It's not here. The wall is, is white. There's no, there's no space. There's no socket in there. Because... Everything in there is consistent with God. You ask, is it possible? I tell you, yes, it is. It's possible. That everything in you is just consistent with God. So serve the Lord with your, not just with your heart. Don't just, don't just serve the Lord with your heart. But also serve the Lord with your mind. Because guess what? Your mind informs what, would touch what is in your heart. And like Pastor Timmy said last week, out of your heart now flows out the issues of life. But whatever you educate your mind with will flow into your heart, will touch on your heart. You can't say you love God, you love God, and you are reading news back to back, back to back, back to back, listening to stuff, getting into conversations. At some point, you'll be like, this God, Seth. Uh-uh. You will, you will get there. Don't do it as an experiment, but me, I'm telling you. You will get there. So there's not there's nothing like I'm serving God with my heart, but my mind is not in obedience to him. There is nothing like it. It's not that you don't want to be current. But how much current do you need to be current? The headline is enough. The headline. Oh, they said water wants to climb on Todd Millan Bridge. Okay, thank you. You don't need to see how the water now flows, where it was. You don't need all of all that detail. Here gate, I get. You don't need it. Just be current so that you know that it's not one that tomorrow when they say that something has happened to one bridge. It's not, it's not that day that you want to go and pass the bridge. But thank God for the Holy Spirit that so I can remind you. But be current. But don't now use, you know, you know some people will say, oh, we have to be current in this life. You have to know what's happening. My mom uses that line a lot. Oh, it's your mom. Don't shell any loo. 
because they kidnap somebody. How is that in cotton shell in Nilo? It's nothing. That's not what is happening in the world. But they see all of those things. I know it's not just my mom. A lot of parents do that. They'll just be sending you, don't eat beans, don't go out with your friend. Like, they'll just be sending all of all those things. What do you want me to do with it? Okay. Jim, you must watch this video. No. <laughs> I'm not watching. <laughs> the headline is enough for me. As in, as in, you see for what times 10? Times 100. You will not be forwarding. Ah, I'm going to tell Everybody's working on the table, yes. Everybody. There's nobody. I don't think there's any Nigerian parent. I don't know about any other country. But that's one thing that unites all the tribes together. That message that they always send. Huh? And they'll be like, have you read it? Just mistakenly say no. You don't even know. And that's how you people, you people, all of you, repack. Like the anger to which they say it. And one day I had to tell her, I said, that thing is just cotton shilling. So now my best friend I've known for 10 years, because they have sent that message now, and I say, she'll say, Yinka, let's go out. I'll say, no, I can't go, sorry. Because I, I feel like you might do something to me. Oh. Or the beans, the beans that I've been eating since all these days. It's not the, I need to send that message. That beans I'm going to go and buy tomorrow now that it's, that they poured pesticide on. <laughs> so, educate your mind. In a pie chart, let the, your efforts to be current just be like 10%. Your effort on things that pertain to life be like 90 Because guess what? When that 10% enters you and it meets 90, the 90 will neutralize the 10. You will neutralize it. So that's why Jesus will say, you eat anything. You, by adventure, you have not seen the news that the beans is bad. And you now eat the beans. It cannot harm you. But if I really believe that, in fact, all the beans, they are bad. I say, share a wawa, I'm going Ben, ah! Like, you have already conditioned your mind that, oh, the pain is coming. I've eaten the beans. No. Say no. In Joshua 24, hi, my phone. This, I will preach this message. Okay, can I have someone's scriptural Bible? No, 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 for now. <laughs> There's something about your own Bible. It just knows where to open to where your heart wants. In Joshua 24, Twenty-four, verse fourteen. Oh, okay. Thank you. Verse fourteen. It was also talking about the fear of God, and says, "Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river, and then serve the Lord. So kill the gods." There's no phone here, and it's still. That means your, does your this thing have a network? 
<laughs> um, heal the gods. Identify the gods. Be true to yourself. Another thing is, we, are not, we don't tell ourselves the truth. It is you and yourself in a room. There is nobody with you. Can you open up yourself to yourself? And tell yourself the truth. Pastor Dami is not here, so you don't need to say it's the Lord that said. You yourself know that the Lord has not said anything. But, but this thing is just a God in your heart that is guiding your decisions, your desires, your prayers. Can you slay them? Kill those gods. And let only God, the one with the capital G, let only him know. Because Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. You can't have two masters in your heart. And guess what? Because he's the powerful one, but he's also the quiet one. So he would not jostle your attention with the other one. The other one is empty, but he's very loud. Don't you know that if you forgive me, if, you don't, if I'm not your God now, if I'm not in the, on the throne of your heart now, this thing cannot work for you. Your future cannot be bright. But God is the more powerful one, the most powerful one, but he's very quiet. Very quiet. So what you need to do is go and kill those ones and shut them up so that you can hear the voice of the one that matters. Kill the gods. We all have different gods. So it's not a template. Everybody has what it is that is sitting on the throne of their heart that they need to go and kill. They need to go and kill. If somebody goes back like Dagon and put it up again. Go and, go and kill it. Destroy it. Pray to him. Job 15 verse 4 says that you cast off fear and then you restrained prayer. So one of the things you do when you cast off the fear of God is that you restrain prayer from God. You stop praying to him. When you're afraid, that's what happens. You stop praying. And you just, evangelists believe that this complaint that you're having in your heart, God is hearing it and is working things out. You stop praying. But that's there. There's always always be saying, Makasha. Some people who are mental body, Mashekataya. Well, they don't know who they're dealing with. Mashekata. Don't restrain prayer from God. Don't. Because it is in the place of the prayer that inspired words come. Pastor Timmy said, words are going down. That's how you steer those words back up. To speak them as bullets. But when you don't pray, what will happen? You think God will speak to you in the midst of muddled waters. It needs to be settled. So pray to him. And don't pray in the day of adversity. Pray before. Because so they will tell you there's an intel. There's a car. When they... When policemen are speaking to each other in different locations, they call somebody else in the next location because they know that the car is coming your direction. They don't call you after they think that the car has already passed or when the car is just passing because you will not see the plate number. So they tell you, check, check, it's number, can car is coming. And so you're watching for it so that when, you, when it comes, you have already been informed. And that's what prayer does. It informs you ahead of time. Most times. He gives you a word ahead of time so that when that thing comes, he already meets a word, a resistance against it. Praise God. 
The last one under fear of God is to think on his names. Alter journeys. To think on his names. And we're going to do that as an exercise after, just as we round up. To think on his names in worship. You're just thinking about his name. You're just thinking. That's how to, you know, if you don't know that God is a Rujeje. <laughs> when they are coming, say, you don't know the one that is on my inside. He's the fear. You will see it. Psalm 114. Psalms 114. It says, When Israel went out of Egypt and the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, it says, Judah became what? His sanctuary. And Israel became his dominion. It was his domain. My heart is his domain. I am his sanctuary. He then said what? He said the sea saw it. Who was coming? Israel. Jacob. Judah. The sea saw it. And fled. What did the sea see? See, Jordan, right? Jordan saw it and he was driven aback. I didn't get it until you guys saw it. Amazing. Jordan saw it and was driven aback. He says the mountains began to be, begin to skip like began to skip like rounds. He says the little hills like lambs. He said, What else you all see that you fled? See different reactions. Some people are fleeing, some people are turning back, some people are happy. So those that are for you. Is for them. Those that are not for you, they have to flee from you. Fleeing, joy, so you're not a terror to everybody, amen. Amongst the believers, we are co joyous people. You, know, you see, like the Bible says that, you know, Elizabeth saw Mary and the baby in her womb leaped for joy. That's it. So I carry the presence, you carry the presence. We see each other, we are happy. Somebody that does not like me sees me, oh, you flee. <laughs> or you just turn back, like, don't want to run, just turn back. So he says, What ails you, O sea, that you fled, and Jordan that you turned back? O mountain that you skip like rams, O little hills like lambs. He says, Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water and the flint into a fountain of waters. So these entities, they carry a memory of what God can do. He says, tremble, O earth, Egbo. Somebody is carrying the presence. This is the person that he, this person is carrying. You may forget. And that's why he says, think on his names. You may forget, but they can't forget. Every fish knows that there was a time somebody told them that they should come and they came. And so if you utter the same words of that person, they go back in memory to the person that said that the first time and they obey. They don't forget. Let's say the elephants don't forget. I wonder how they do. But they don't forget. So you are to think on his names. So you command the obedience of God. And you also command the... Pastor, please, what was the um, past tense of fleeing? Flee. 
flee, flee. Flee. You see, you're either fleeing, the fleeing of the enemy. You also, that's also another reaction that you carry. The fleeing of the enemy. The Bible says that when the enemy comes, it says like a flood, the spirit of God has raised up a standard against it. And James 4 says that, see, this standard, this resistance that the spirit of God has raised, it causes him to flee from you. So I know there is this thing that we say is that if you and the enemy, if the enemy is not disturbing you, that means you and him are going in the same direction. And I, that is true. But it's also true that he might be fleeing from you. Because you carry a resistance. So he has to flee. So as you are coming, he has already fled. You will not meet him on the road now. People will not jam. Because you have a resistance. So you need to build that resistance. And that resistance is the fear of God. Hallelujah. The second thing Jesus said that we have, when we go back to John 4, 14, he says that my peace have I given you. So I have not given you the spirit of fear, but what I have given you is what? My peace. And what does peace with God means? Because another thing that the enemy uses as an anchor for fear is to make you think that you do not have peace with God. God is not at peace with you. You are not at peace with him. And so things cannot work. Why are you shouting? Why are you crying to God? That he will come and help you. He can't come and help you. You are not at peace with him. But we are. I am at peace with God. I've been reconciled to God. Bible says that he broke the middle wall of partition. And he brought us, he says, a make of twine in one, one new man. And he says he had reconciled us back to God. And I'm just going to list this out because of time. Peace with God produces a note of victory. Because I am at peace with God. So I know that my end can only be victory. Devil cannot threaten me with failure. I can't be threatened with failure. Peace with God is a letter of reference. You know how letter of references work? Somebody gives you a letter of reference and says, take. When you get there, just give it to them. And they will do as occasion demands. You don't need to read the letter. Just give it to them. The peace of God is a letter of reference. He gives it to the situation and the situation goes still. He goes still. So he commands favor. He commands obedience. Because I have peace with God. Peace with God is also a work of righteousness. And that's the righteousness that God, that Jesus had already brokered. But it's also a righteousness that you would work. It is a work of righteousness. Bible says perfecting holiness in the fear of God. It's a work of righteousness. And the peace of God leads you into rest and quietness. I think that phrase that pastor says that the word of God is settled, it's it, it's so powerful. God is that person that you come to meet and say, ha, ha, ha. And God is saying, Farabale. Farabale. You say, yeah. God's like, okay. I'm waiting for you. Are you okay now? Okay, now speak. That's that's how God is. You can't be agitated around God. And that shows you the understanding that he needs you to have of him. How can I be agitated about something I created? How can I be agitated about something that has 
in itself the infrastructure to obey me or the infrastructure to be afraid of me. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't, it doesn't add up. And so that's why whenever you come to God, God needs you to calm down. Because he cannot be agitated with you. And it's just because he cannot be agitated about something that he has already created. Praise the name of the Lord. Psalms 89 verse 7. That's where we are ending. Hey, I finished in time. Psalms 89 verse 7. So we are thinking on his names. Sorry. From verse, yeah, yeah, from verse 7. Oh, let me start from verse 5. And says, And the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the saints. For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who amongst the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? You wonder why David found himself in the presence of Goliath, and he could not be afraid. This was what he did on a daily he, made himself, he gave himself the business of working up names for God. Orikis. When somebody has ki, 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 ki. And you now, you now present Goliath that does not have any kiki. He, he has not even had any oriki. Like, what he was just doing is just recounting. Who are you to stand before the Holy One? Like, who are you? Like, you know, everything was just jamming in his head. All the names of God. Like, he was trying to measure up. Is there anything like him that, like, it just doesn't make, make sense to him. It just did not make sense to him. And that's why you could defeat Goliath. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. And to be held in reverence by all those around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you? Let's read it together. Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its rays rise, you steal them. You have broken Rahab in pieces as one who is slain. You have scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours and the earth is also yours. The world and all its fullness you have founded on. The north and the south you have created them. Tabor and Ermon rejoice in your name. You have a mighty arm, and strong is your hand, and high is your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O oh Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name we rejoice all the day long, and in your righteousness we are exalted. For you are the glory of our strength. In your favor, our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord and our king to the Holy One of Israel. Hallelujah. How many of us just love that? Can we just bow our heads and pray for a few seconds? And say, Lord, I love you. I commit to fill my heart with tales of you and to educate my mind with your victories. 
with your victories, with your names, with your abilities, with your words, with your assurances. Mako shatela de ande sikalataya. Rebri kale kavarate ande shadela kalabo shitele bregedoja. Man de kari pate ande sikatayata labashianta. Man de likra katande lebo shataya kajetia. The fear of you in my heart is built as a resistance. In the name of Jesus, I walk carrying the presence of the Lord. Make lebroko shantaya galabo shatalaba. Morning by morning as I wake, I feast on your glory. I feast on you, God. I feast on your names. Mashekatae da labrakata balabo shante. Lebrekeki susende lekati andesh. Lebreketu vandelian de lika labragadoja. Mandelika ropokosianda labrakata shadabam. I am a son and a daughter aware of my identity, aware of where I stay, where I live, aware of who in the person in whom I move, I live, I have my being. The fear of God is seated upon the throne of my heart. That regardless of when the enemy comes, where he comes, how he comes, he finds nothing in me. He finds nothing of himself in me. I declare in the name of Jesus that I unseat every element of lust, every element of pride, every element of fear and uncertainty of the future. I declare in the name of Jesus that the assurance of God is built steadfast in my heart. In my heart, the Holy Spirit is always speaking. He is always speaking, bringing to me, bringing me in remembrance of everything that Jesus has said, everything that God is, everything that is mine, everything that I possess, everything that I am, and everything that I can do. Mato sikalaba shatalaba, reketi sendeleyande shataya, mendi lakaro bokosho shatalaba. I declare in the name of Jesus that I receive discernment to identify every form of God, every form of time stealer, every form of attention, every form of um, distraction. And I begin to kill them. I begin to kill them. I begin to kill them. I go into those shrines and I slay those gods. I slay them. Regardless of how they veil themselves, I declare that I receive discernment to identify them. I identify those distractors. I identify those time stealers. I identify those ones that want to keep me as a busybody. And I make space. I make space for your word. I make space for your worship. I make space for your adoration. I make space for just meditating on you, meditation on your word all day long. I make space. You have space in my heart. I welcome you into my life and I ask you sit upon the throne of my heart. Sit upon the throne. The Bible says I and my father will come and make my abode with him. Make your abode with me. Mine is the location that you delight to stay. You delight to stay here. You delight to stay here. You delight to stay here. You have pleasure in me. Haha. <laughs> Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. 
you don't need to tell the devil to flee. And you don't need to tell creation to be obedient. What they need to just see is the presence of God. That's, all they, that's what you should busy yourself with. Just cultivating that presence. And when they see it as you come, they flee. But the ones that want to skip, they will. Hallelujah. Were you blessed? I was. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.